Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am amazing. How are you, my friend? (laughs) Doing great as well on Amazing Wednesday. We have got a really neat show lined up for this evening. You know, it's the old, I got amazing news and I got bad news. So how do you want it? Uh, do you want it? It's kind of all in let's a package. Let's go with amazing. So. Let's go with, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep it positive, right? Okay, well, here's an amazing fact. Robots are smarter than us, and we're just going to have to get used to it. Is it true? We're going to test that theory with a, a few different news stories here this evening. But we're going we're gonna to ease into that one with a big one right here, Stephen. I know this is kind of a story you've had your radar tuned to for a while, isn't it? This is something that I have kind of had my ear to the ground on this because it it's a big deal for the day job, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Insurance companies are now offering discounts if you let your Tesla drive itself. That's the headline. <laughs> and what does that tell us about humans versus even even the state of self driving cars that we have today, right? Well, this is one particular insurance company. It's a a British insurance company, Direct Line. But it's them saying, in the in the in the realest way that can possibly be said, this is you know they're they're putting you know they they're putting their money where their mouth is, basically, right? Yep. Um, That their bet is that the Tesla self-driving cars are better than humans already. And to me, this was this was news that I was expecting, Phil. But in like you know, twenty twenty one or twenty two, you know, in, in right. a couple more right. years, right? Um, and and it's it's amazing that uh, that we're hearing this now. Now, this is not everybody uh, that's saying this. This is one insurance company, but it's still. one insurance company, and it's a five percent discount for customers who activate autopilot. So this could almost be a marketing gimmick. Right. It's it's this is somewhere right in the in the gray area between marketing gimmick and they really are. I, I don't know, though. Do, insurance companies don't really do marketing gimmicks, though, do they? I mean, they're, they're not going to well, they're not going to yeah, cut a premium unless they, they have some. It's, they they do things that uh, I mean, they they just really can't. I mean, it's if it's uh, if it's a, a better risk for them to. Uh, 
uh, you know, for people to uh, to have that on rather than to be driving themselves, uh, then they can afford to give the discount. If it's not, then they can't. And right. so the only question is, do they have the math right? And, right. Uh, do they know enough to actually uh, have to, to do good math at this point? And so that so there's some questions in my mind as to their inputs, you know, um, and you know, and coming up with, okay, yeah, yeah, we we would actually save money by giving a five percent discount if people were activating their autopilot because of fewer accidents. And so that's it's it's uh, it's astounding to me it's happening in 2017 and not three or four years down the road. But uh, you know uh, we'll see we'll see and if other if other companies follow suit. Let's put it this way: What would you say are the chances that insurance rates won't drastically be reduced for people who typically don't, in fact, actually drive their own cars but use an autopilot function? in, say, five years, right? And by drastically, I mean 20% or more. You think that's possible? Yeah, quite. I think that, let's, let's imagine that uh, they do the math and they decide, you know what, you're 30% less likely to have an accident with the autopilot on. And so, yeah, we can offer a 20% discount for those who keep it on. And, and they're still going to come out ahead. And, I, and I, we'll come out ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll make money. You know what? They're always going to come out ahead. Oh, yeah. That's, so we shouldn't act surprised about. by it's, that. Uh, they're, they're in, it's a business just like any other, and they want to make money. No, it's, it's more like, like the ones in Las Vegas, right? They're always going to come out ahead. It's a little too. like that, yeah. 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 I mean, in fact, I mean, it's, uh, betting is at the root of what uh, insurance was in the very beginning. Right. It's, it's kind of based on, that, it's, it's based on that same model. The house always wins. Right. So and they wanna, if, if you've got even one house – Laying these odds, that's very interesting. And right. it's also very telling to me that I think not only do you expect that, and, and I expect it as well, but I'm guessing the industry is probably expecting it too. They're all expecting to go that way. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they've got their eye on this. And, you know, I suppose it could be a marketing gimmick in the sense that, hey, we're, we're the company that saw it first and embraced it first, right? Right, right. They could say, maybe they could say that. And all, all we have to do is offer a 5% discount, and, uh, and we get to look. You know, very forward-looking here. Um, so maybe, maybe that's that goes into what they're doing here. Well, and that's so. a way to bring in people who have Teslas. You can yeah. get that. You can get that business theoretically. You know, right? Assuming their rates are competitive to begin with. If they're competitive would, to begin with, then suddenly that, you get five percent uh, off. If I, if I had a car that was worth as much as those te- some of those Teslas, I I would be driving safer anyway, right? But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind my own body inside the car. You yeah, know. yeah. For, forget about your family and yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have an expensive car, car you need to be taken care of. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I understand that math completely. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I think we can extrapolate. It's always dangerous to take one data point and say, well, here's the trend and here's how things are going to be. But right. this is a good one for doing just that. I think this is one where you say, I doubt this is the first and only time we hear of this. And I would be surprised if we didn't hear more of it next year and a little more the following year. And by the time we get to the time frame you were talking about, 2021, 2022, I think this will be an up and running thing. Oh, yeah. It'll be, uh, you know, it, I, again, I, I, I figured that we, it would be a big deal, you know, in, in, uh, by about that time, in about that time frame, you know, as right. far as – uh, as how it would affect insurability and stuff, it, it, it astounds me that we see it this soon. And 
and again, I, you may be right. You're you're the you're the marketing guy, Phil. This may be an effort to look forward looking. Yeah, and and uh, and to claim that and say, you know what, we were the first company who saw this, you know, and they they could say that twenty years from now when we're all being driven around, right? That's true. But would you buy an insurance company because they were the first one to do something? I sure wouldn't. I, I, uh, I don't no. care. I, I'm all about the bottom line. So yeah. well, but on the other hand, just because just because it wouldn't persuade us doesn't mean it's not a marketing. Yeah, point, right? so, somebody could could turn it into some sort. Somebody of could fall for that. Yeah. Bottom line, though, this is evidence that our expectation, our expectation, you and I, this insurance company's expectation, and I think a growing number of people within the population generally, certainly within the automobile industry and within related industries like auto insurance, just have an expectation that pretty soon cars will do the driving because they're going to be better at it than we are. Because robots are smarter than us. (laughs) We are just not very good at it. Yeah, relatively speaking. I mean, we're, we're better at it than... Most other species on the planet. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you put, any, put any other species behind the wheel, we we, we no doubt do better. But yeah, it, there's. Room, Although it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting to train some chimps, train some, train some gorillas, see how they do. You know, they, yeah, they, they might actually right. have better reaction time. Who knows? <laughs> they might, but 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 you know, um, it comes down to this: we get tired, we, yep. we get we get drunk, we get emotional, we uh, uh, we get, get lazy, we get distracted, we get yeah. bored, we yeah. yeah. It's a, a million ways that, uh, and or you know, we just don't have the reaction time. You know, so, something comes up and it, and it needs a reaction within one millionth of a second, and we're nowhere near that. We don't right. have that. We, but the Tesla is right there. The yeah. the the autopilot function can can operate on those kinds of time frames. So ultimately, right. cars are going to be driving themselves because this is one thin area of intelligence where I think people are going to get comfortable pretty fast with the idea that the car does it better than we do. And there are, there are lots of those little areas where we've been used to it for a while. No one's offended or upset much anymore by a calculator, recognizing that it can do math better and faster than we can. There's so many things we do on a computer because it would take forever to do manual. Or you'd never be able to do manually. And here's just this one really prime example right out of our day-to-day physical world life. Right. that we will cede to the computers because it'll be safer, because our insurance rates will go down. And we'll say, okay, well, they're better at that than us. But it's not like they're better than, that, than us at everything, or is it? So let's, <laughs> let's move on. Our, our, our next story is DeepMind AI needs a mere four hours of self-training to become a chess overlord. Now, I've got to tell you, this is one of those it, – it's kind of like when you read a story about how they're using a virus to fight cancer – it's a headline right out of the beginning of a science fiction movie, don't you think? <laughs> right. It's, hey, you know, this, this AI they wrote, it took years to solve this game back in the past, and then it took years to solve this other game. But now the first game it can do in four hours, basically. Yeah. You know, af- after taking on the hardest game in the world, Go, they said, well, how long would it take for this thing to, to learn chess? First, it rewrote itself. Okay, I think we should, we should note uh, – DeepMind has gone from AlphaGo to AlphaZero, which is a general purpose problem solver based on AlphaGo. Okay, so AlphaGo was designed to solve the problem of the game Go. Now here's AlphaZero. It's designed to basically learn any game and solve it. And in four hours, they have become the unbeatable chess machine. I mean... You, you already have to look to a computer 
to find the best chess player in the world anyway. So it's not like we're talking about competing with humans now anyhow. That's yeah, it's, done. It's, it's beating the best you know, uh, chess computer at this point. And uh, it's becoming the new best chess computer. Yeah, and it took four hours. Yeah. So that that's where the that's where the time frames really start to get interesting. I wonder how long it took way back when for IBM to design, develop, build, implement Deep Blue to get it all the way to the point where it was ready to take on Gary Kasparov, right? A long time, I'm guessing, right? And it and, was it was a brute force kind of thing. It was, you know, it was not elegant. This thing is, in a way, it's 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 elegant because it does teach itself. It teaches itself the game, and then teaches itself <laughs> the best way, possible way to play the game in a very short period of time. And you know, in in effect, playing millions of games of chess in a short period of time is that what is that what it's doing uh, to learn? That's exactly what it's doing. And yeah. And, and over and above that, unlike when we were learning Go before or when we were learning chess before and we're studying the, the machine learning is studying millions and millions of games and millions and millions of moves, this is just like, here's the rules. See what you can do with this. And four hours later, it's the best in the world. Yeah. <laughs> better, than, better than all of the computer programs that have come before it, all the ones that have studied all the grandmaster games that have that, that have you know, had data from the human level experience of chess stuffed into it from the centuries, right? This is better. It started from nothing but the rules of chess, and it's better. So, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's almost hard to put in terms how big that is, you know. It's, well, um, you know, here's the rules, uh, you know, alpha zero to the game of beating cancer. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, now, play that. Right. And, now, uh, if we knew the rules, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the problem, and yeah. and perhaps it'll have to teach itself that game, right? Uh, because it, it could probably teach itself that game better than we could, since we don't know all the rules to that game. And ditto the game of uh, how how do you uh, how do you conquer aging? You know, it, right? You treat that as a disease, and what and and teach yourself that game, and then and then become the best in the world at that. Well, let's go all the way back to war games. Our, our first exposure, many of us, to the whole idea <laughs> yeah. of AI, teach right? You, teach yourself global thermonuclear warfare. Yeah, preventing yeah. global thermonuclear war. You know, yeah, keeping games of that one. from happening, right? Yeah. Not, not, not actually. I don't think playing it would be good. Uh, <laughs> That's right. As we know, the only way to play it nice is a game of chess play. instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Josh. Right. An interesting Joshua. Game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. That's uh, yeah. I saw this on Facebook. If you can map data about the real world to a game, Alpha Zero will beat it. And this takes us back to a few years ago. Gamifying was all the rage. Right. Any web experience that you could turn into something of a game, if you could give it somewhat game-like features, th that was a very sticky, very compelling way to get people behaviorally interested in what you were doing on your website. And it turns out maybe this whole idea of a game structure is there, there might just be something inherently what's the word I'm looking for inducive towards intelligence around games games just might be the, the way to go you know we're interested in them we like to win them and maybe they're the easy way to get computers to solve our solve our problems with them it's still not easy because well, if you go back I, my and, recent obsession with games has everything to do Phil I think with the mechanics inside inside these games right. that I'm playing with with my kids and with friends and family and stuff it's it's just there's 
it, there are specific rule. There's, you know, every every different game that we play. There's a different rule set and different mechanics inside. And what and what you're trying to do is, you know, uh, uh, make yourself more efficient in op- operating inside this this new environment. Basically, each each box you pull off the shelf is a new environment to operate efficiently within. And um, you know, I I just find that. It's it's uh, it's been invaluable in teaching my kids, you know, reasoning, and, right. and moving, you know, thinking on your feet and being, um, you know, and and being able to, you know, okay, dump what I learned, uh, you know, uh, about uh, the rule set of the last game because that's not helping me here, but. You know, deeper though the the reasoning that I learned and the ability to reason and think on my feet. You know that carries over from game to game to game, and uh, so you know that's, uh, it, it, it reminds me that. a lot of I've, I know we've talked about this book before, the book Hackers by Stephen Levy. He talks about if you take it all the way back to the very first artificial intelligence groups, actually some of the first even computer science programs in the country. I, I think it was at MIT, I believe, and it, if, if I'm wrong, I'll I'll correct this in the notes, but they got. They got a computer in, and guys who had previously been interested in, of all things, model railroading, got really interested in the computer. And these were like the first hackers. And they were people who wanted, who liked getting a hold of a system and making it do things that it didn't do before. To us, that sounds like such an obvious software thing that it's hard to apply it to anything else. But, for example, they were all about hacking Chinese restaurants, Right, they going into a Chinese restaurant and learning what everything on the menu was, and and getting the the staff to serve you things that they wouldn't serve other people, and things like that. Right, you know, it's like <laughs> everything everything is a system, and you get the inside knowledge of it, you get the mechanics of it, you you gain this mastery of it, and then you get it to produce results that it that it never could before. I, I think there's something to that approach to the world, and games are automatically set up to kind of reward that, right? They're, they're automatically set up for, for the knowledge to come in such a way that you get the payoff. So if you, if you can structure learning anything that way, it seems to work really well for humans. And apparently, I don't know, it looks like it might be a really good way to go with, with our artificial intelligence progeny as well. So. Well, and these, these AIs are really good within boundaries, aren't they? Right. Right. You know, I, it, we don't have a general AI that can just we can set it loose on the world and and it learns like a child. We don't have that. But if you if you set boundaries and Well, I don't know, we haven't the, had Ben Gertzel on in a while. He was yeah, working that's on that. Right. We need to ask him how, how yeah. you coming with the uh, the AI child, right? Yeah. But um but what we find, what we have found is if we give the AI boundaries, here's the game to play, right? Yeah. Then then they do they they do infinitely better in those in those within those boundaries than we could within those boundaries. That's right. And That's right. Well, they they redefine them. They they show what the boundaries actually are because we think we know what they are and we have no idea. You know, when it when it comes to even something as simple as playing Atari games or playing Go or playing chess, they they have redefined kind of what the boundaries are in terms of what can be accomplished, what can be what performance there can be within the same rules structure that we have. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. But is it a threat? Is it a threat to us? They're smarter than us. How about this next story? AI will obliterate half of all jobs starting with white collar says ex-Google China president. 
Isn't and that interesting? Very, Starting with white collar, we've we've always assumed it'd be the blue collar jobs that go first, right? You know, yeah, uh, that's what the, automation industrial is industrial robots. They they showed up on the assembly lines, what thirty forty years ago? Absolutely. And here's saying starting with a white collar. Yeah. Well, I guess they've already taken. You know what? They've already taken all those jobs. So Maybe. at this point, it's either cheaper to keep using humans, or the robots are already in place. And this gentleman is saying, uh, Kai Fu Lee is saying, yeah, that we need to rethink the practical and social impact of fewer jobs because there aren't going to be as many, because where the AI is really going to be pushing is into the mental space, into the space of people who manipulate information, who work in information, who work in ideas. That's where the big gains are going to be. And we've talked about this lots of times, jobs like my job, jobs like your job, become fair game. They become something that an AI system can potentially do. Now, we hopefully stay ahead of that. And we say, well, we'll be the guys synthesizing what a whole bunch of AIs are doing. And if you're in a good position to do that, great. But there just won't be as many humans in the loop is the bottom line. Right. Um, at least according to his analysis. I don't know. What do you think, Stephen? Do you think that's a, that's a realistic fear? Should we, should we, we be worried about this? Half of all jobs going away? That's a, I mean, that's a big, that's a big number. Well, uh, what's his time frame? What does he give? Um, as far as when half the uh, all human jobs will de- uh, over the next decade, he gives it ten years. Yeah, that, that seems fast. I, 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 I it, it seems a little fast, but uh, but on the other I, hand, we didn't think that people were getting insurance discounts yet. That's right, and that that's, that seemed very fast. So yeah, you know what? I'd be I'd be surprised, Phil, if um, if it hadn't happened in fifteen years. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, so I'm, not, too, I'm yeah. not too far off from what he's saying here. Yeah. You know, it, it, this it, it reminds me in a way, um, even though this is not a uh, this is sort of a blue collar job, but uh, the, all these articles I'm sure you've seen uh, about the Amazon workers and how they're being worked like indentured servants or something, just uh, terrible hours, ter- you know, just terrible conditions in the Amazon shipping areas, right? Yep. And uh, there all these different articles out about about this. My my thought when I read this as well, as bad as those conditions are, uh, those those jobs are going away and going to go away fast. Right. You know, I'll I'll bet you that there. You know, by next Christmas, a third of those jobs are gone. Right. Right. They, they're going to automate that as fast as they can, because people can't keep up with what it is that Amazon wants to do. A human being breaks down processing, trying to process uh, the number of packages they're talking about. Right. Well, and Amazon kind of, as a company, has that reputation anyway for being a place that's very demanding, very hard to work work for. So right. the good news might be a lot of people won't have to work for Amazon anymore. I guess. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, there's the good news. The bad news is if you wanted one of those, where jobs, are you going to work? Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's think, right. And that's still the the, the big open question. Will the disappearance of all these jobs be the end of jobs for people, or will, there, or will something else emerge? If something else is going to emerge, we don't have a very clear idea of it, and it doesn't look all that likely that this level of falling off in the job market could be replaced by something else, but we could be wrong. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a topic that we come back to, I don't know, every third show, every fifth show, something like that. It's, it's, it's not something that we can work out tonight, but there it is. 
the fact that the robots are smarter than us is the driver. It's the reason that this gains urgency as we look as we look down the road, as we look at the employment picture. And whether this gentleman from Google is correct in his assessment, whether it's 50% of jobs in 10 years or if it's 25% of jobs in 20 years, it's devastating, right, if those jobs aren't replaced. You know, if, he, if he's wrong on two of the numbers, it can still be really bad in, in, in terms of how the economy has been set up and what our expectations are around work. So it, it's just a situation we have to keep have to keep watching. And I think we have to keep thinking about alternative models for how the economy can work. And maybe that's a good game to feed into the uh, uh, Alpha Zero, right? Let's, let's give it that game. Yeah, Re- rebuild the economy. Next story is true artificial intelligence will change everything. And this was just a talk by uh, Jürgen Schminhuber at the TEDx Lake Como conference. And I believe we've referenced this before, but it was just such an interesting video that I thought it was worth probably reiterating some of his points here today. He talks about this idea that he and his team came up with years ago called the long, short memory, and how that has become embedded in almost everything that Amazon and Facebook and Google do. He says every second, 50,000 sentences are being translated on Facebook, and they're all relying on that AI model that his team came up with a couple decades ago. And he gives his own projections for how the whole information technology economy is evolving. It's a little different from Kurzweil's, although it it ends up in the same place pretty fast. He says that every five years, computers become 10 times cheaper. And so he projects that out to what kind of a world are we going to be living in in a few years when, as Kurzweil describes, we can all walk around with a human-level intelligence in the palm of our hand or probably as a chip that's in our glasses or something like that. And what happens a few years after that, when that same space will hold a combination of all the intelligence on Earth, right? Not just one human, but <laughs> all human intelligence, right, in, in, in the palm of your hand. And what does happen, according to, according to this expert, he says that what happens is the AIs develop their own interests and they leave us behind. And I think that's a... That's the her scenario, the scenario from the movie Her. Exactly. Yeah. And it's sad. Uh, that's a, and I hope that he's wrong about that. Um, well, well, better that they leave us behind than that they yeah, it's, start it's to than turn the ter- us into Terminator. Or, yeah. yeah. Her is infinitely uh, uh, preferable to Terminator. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Exactly. So. It's like, well, we'll leave you here, but we're going to go do other things out in, the, out in the universe. It's better than, you know what, we need these resources, so goodbye. you're not not useful to us so there are there are definitely worse scenarios but that one's not a very good one and i think the the one saving grace here might be if we work it such that as we've talked about on numerous occasions in the past the artificial intelligence isn't something separate from us but from a personal standpoint from an identity standpoint even from a civilizational standpoint it's a continuation and an extension of us and that's the thing we have to start teaching our ais pretty soon i think if if they start to think of themselves as something different better beyond then we'll have a hard time talking them out of it later so i I think we need to start building a little empathy and a little human identity into our ais although there's a certain amount of danger in that too isn't there yeah um we're going to do this for your good right and yeah. I mean, that, there's, uh, how many Asimov stories started that way? <laughs> That's right, all With of them. The robots uh, thinking they knew better for us than than uh, than we do. So, 
Uh, exactly. Just, you know, do, doing this for your own good. Uh, oh, well. Um, yeah. It always starts that way, but who knows how it ends. Well, there you have it. The yeah. robots are smarter than us, and there's good news, there's bad news. I think the good news will ultimately outweigh the bad news, but it's hard not to it's hard not to worry about some of these dark sides. Now, you uh, have added a headline here, Stephen, to uh, yeah, our uh, show tomorrow, notes. Yeah, tomorrow, Thursday. Tomorrow, Thursday, and NASA's going to make a big announcement, apparently. This is um, – I need to kind of check my sources on this. But apparently, NASA's making this huge announcement about what they've discovered with, with Kepler, uh, their, you know, their, their planet – searching system and and what ais have been able to data mine out of it and you got you got people running around saying well they've discovered <laughs> they've discovered life on another planet and that's what the big big announcement is they'll rule that it's never aliens until it is uh right i, I want to remind our, our audience of that it's almost certainly not aliens but every big build-up like this for nasa is always something interesting but it's never aliens so yeah, far it's never aliens. so, so yeah. it, it, but it's, it's it's likely to be something interesting and it has a lot to do with ai i mean it's, uh, That's it's right. these these ai systems are able to data mine in ways that we can't and they're they're telling us stuff <laughs> we can look all we want and never learn what it is that these things can uh, dig in and find so anyway I'm, I'm anxious to hear what it is that they're going to, going to announce tomorrow so um, that's, that's kind of we will pick it up on Friday and yeah. see what we heard. We'll that's compare exactly our, right. our expectation level with what the announcement ends up being. We will be back <laughs> on Friday with a brand new show. Stephen, it's been great discussing how robots are smarter than us with you and look forward to being with you all on the next World Transformed. And until next time, live to see it. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.